Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. We are in week two of a collection of talks. We call them sermon series uh, entitled, How Are You Managing? How are you managing? And we're talking about how to manage finances God's way. For those of you who are just joining us, I always feel compelled to say every time I preach on finances that we are not raising an offering. You can exhale. You can release. Believe, you can be relieved. It's, it's okay. And I, I know that because oftentimes when churches talk about money, they're asking you for it. And that's not us today. Amen. <laughs> I just need to be clear. I said, well, one day the owner of this building will want to sell it and I will be asking for money on that day. But right now, we good. These four weeks, we're not asking for anything. On the contrary, we are giving things away. We're not just giving away fishes. Is that the plural? The fish is the plural of fish. We're not just giving away fish. We're also giving away fishing rods. Do you know the parable? Give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Give him a fishing rod, he eats for the rest of his life. We're giving away tools, principles that are going to teach you how to manage your finances, not so that you can get rich quick. That's what everybody wants you to do. Get rich quick. You hit the, listen, if you can get rich quick, you can get broke quick. You don't want to get rich quick. Here's what we want you to do. Be free forever. And there's a difference between getting rich and being free. Getting rich is I own a yacht. I don't need to own a yacht. I don't even like cruises. Being free is your car breaks down and you don't freak out. You don't break down. Be free is you get to send your kid to college. Be free is you don't got to think twice about going out to eat. Being financially free. Being free is you don't wake up at 2 a.m. because the crypto market crashed. Like, it's, it's about being free. And that, I promised you, you could have at the end of this series. I can't promise you riches, but I can promise you freedom. We're also giving away fish. Not actual fish, but we're giving away things that are blessings. And so I got two QR codes behind me because last week we gave away $30,000 worth of financial stewardship classes right here. Ramsey Plus. Crazy. Thousands of people downloaded it from all over the world. And if you're not familiar with Ramsey Plus, if you scan that QR code, you are going to get a whole 12-week, I think it might be 12-week, I can't even remember. Does anybody know how many weeks it's 12-week? A whole 12-week teaching on how to budget, on how to save up for retirement, on how to get out of debt, on how to buy the proper life insurance and health insurance and what to do with car payments and all of that. That's all the practical things that I can't teach you in 30 minutes that we have to preach. But I do think that will help. And then on the left, we, we had our... My, yeah, you're right, my right. Uh, we have the 90-day tithing challenge, which is a principle about giving God your first 10% of everything you make because it all came from Him anyway. And I'm excited to share this testimony. We had over 170 people decide to put God first in their finances last week by taking this tithing. So that's crazy. So glad we got to hear that story from the Walker family. That was a big, uh, big part of it. And so very, very cool. And so we're giving away fishing rods and we're giving away fish. Last week, the topic was stewardship. Somebody say stewardship. stewardship. Yeah, that just means how you manage what's been given to you. Right. And recognizing that everything you have was given to you by God. And so you better take care of it. This other word that I want to bring in today is a word that we all need to hear and learn. And it's called margin. Somebody say margin. Good, good, good. And the title of today's message is a question that I'm posing to you. It is, how are you managing, say the word with me, margin. How are you managing margin? Now, it's going to feel a little bit like a financial seminar in here today. It's the most practical of the four sermons. This is the most like kind of in the weeds. But I think it's going to help you because the Bible has a little mini financial seminar in it. Because the Bible is not just a book designed to get you to heaven from earth. It's also a book to help you bring heaven to earth. God wants you to live a blessed life today, not just when you die. So if you follow the principles in this book, a lot of that's a big misconception. God just wants us to get to heaven. No, he wants us to bring heaven to earth. He wants us to live a blessed, happy, full of joy life right here, right now. Not a life of suffering and, and then joy. We will have joy in heaven, but he wants us to experience that now. And let me tell you something, being broke is not joyful. 
Stressing out over money does not bring me peace. It frustrates me. It steals my joy. And so we want to help you experience that. So to understand the concept of margin, I thought before giving you the written definition of it, I can maybe give you like a verbal, like a visual rather, a, a, a visual definition of it. Using something that requires margin but is even more valuable than your money, your time. I want to show you a, a schedule. This is a mock schedule of somebody's day in here. This is somebody's day. All right, starting. Can you see it on the screen? Look at the high-techness. Over in the front, you can't see it, but up there, it's like a really cool 3D thing right here happening. Yeah. So, so this day looks amazing. This is somebody's day tomorrow, all right? This person goes to Journey Church, obviously, because the first thing we do is pray first. Let's go, Journey Church. Pray first. Wake up, we pray. That we take a shower, we change. Then we go to breakfast. Then we leave to work. Then we go to work, nine to five. Then we drive to the gym. Come on, you're not just taking care of the spiritual temple. You take care of the physical temple. Got to keep it hard. Keep it tight for, for Jesus and gym. And then you got dinner. And then look at you. You're not just at the gym. You're also playing with your kids. And then you got your honey-do list. Look at you. are such a great spouse. And you take a shower and change. You even put in time to watch TV and relax. And then you're going to get ready and get to bed at a reasonable hour. Come on. Raise your hand if you would love that schedule right there. Come on. How many people have a schedule like that? Just packed. You got it. Yeah. How many people think this is an amazing schedule? This is an amazing schedule. Yeah. It's a terrible schedule. <laughs> terrible schedule. Somebody's like, that's why I don't raise my hand in church. <laughs> I've planned days like that. And whenever I plan days like that, those days never go as planned. Can I tell you how that day is going to happen tomorrow? Because it happened to me yesterday. You wake up to pray. I'm not saying this exact thing happened to me, but it happened to me kind of like this. You wake up to pray first. Boom. You get excited, but you forgot before you go pray, I use the bathroom. And you didn't put bathroom time in prayer time. So you're like, well, I don't want to multitask the Lord. So I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to go. It's just number one. You sit down for number one, but you ate something bad. Now it's not number one no more. Now it's one, two, three, four, five. You got all the numbers. Habit's taking a lot more time than you expected. So then you show up late to prayer. Anybody ever show up late to prayer with God? You're like apologizing on the way and you're like, my bad, Lord. I just, that was one, two, three, four, five, and that's just, and then you're kind of rushing through that. So that's kind of half energy or you extend the time, but then that cuts in to changing. So then after you're done in prayer, you run back to the closet. You want to go ahead and get changed, but you got so many clothes and you like everything. Or more, com more common, you like nothing. 80, 80 different items in your closet. Not one of them do you like. You finally settle on something. You're about to leave. You walk past the mirror. You realize the shirt's not ironed. I can't leave the house looking like chewing gum. I got to iron that shirt. And you iron that shirt. You put that shirt on. You get it. By this time, you're moving so fast, you can't even have breakfast. Breakfast is done. Breakfast was a dream. So you rush down the house. You got to grab something because you can't just leave nothing. So you leave the protein, but you don't leave without the caffeine. Come on, somebody. Hey. I can leave without the bacon, but without Folgers, without the Bustelo, it's not happening. So you get the coffee, run out the house. You're so caffeinated, you're late, and so you start speeding down I-4 like a NASCAR driver, just passing cars on the wind, going past people until you see you in the rearview mirror, boop, boop, little blue red light, going a little too fast. You get pulled over, cop gives you a ticket, now you're late for work. Well, since you're late for work, you know the promotions time is happening, so you can't look bad in front of the boss. So since you're late to work to get there, now you got to stay late. And so you stay late. Well, you stay so late, now the gym is not happening. You finally get home, dinner, you want to relax until you remember it was your turn to cook dinner. And you are not ready to cook dinner. And so what do you do? You Uber Eats. You get the family together, and it takes 20 minutes to figure out what everyone wants to eat. It took so long to figure out what everyone wants to eat. Can't play with the kids. Kids got to take a shower so that they can get to bed on time. While the kids are taking the shower and you're waiting, you finally start fixing that thing that was broken, but you don't have the right tool. So you go to the tool store, pick up the tool, come back. Food just got there. You eat while you repair. Now you take a shower and it is already 10 p.m., but you will have your TV time. And so now you do what psychologists call, oh, this is going to hurt somebody. This is, what, this is a thing. Revenge 
bedtime procrastination. Do you know what this is? Have you heard of this? This, is, this describes the decision to sacrifice sleep for leisure time driven by a daily schedule that lacked free time. Ooh. So you go, no, 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 the devil is a liar. I will get my free time if it's the last thing I do. So now it's 10 o'clock. You just turn on the show. You were just going to watch one show, but the moment it finished, and then you got the little timer, five, four, three, you couldn't get to the remote in time. Next episode started. You're invested. You're invested. You're watching. You're in. And now you get to bed at midnight with the same schedule that we used the next day. Now on six hours of sleep, trying to get through a whole day and it gets pushed. Are you seeing the cycle? Yeah. And your problem and the problem with this schedule is that every event is back to back to back to back. There's no space in between. There's no margin. So if one unexpected thing happens, it throws off your whole day, except in the context of finances, we're not living event to event. We're living paycheck to paycheck. And if one unexpected thing happens, it's not just going to throw off the plan you had for your day. It's going to throw off in your finances the plan you had for your life. I was, supposed to, I was supposed to be able to have enough money to go to school by now. I was supposed to be able to buy my own place by now. Parents looking at their kids looking like, you should have been able to buy your own place by now. I was supposed to be able to pay off those school loans by now. I was supposed to have enough money saved to start that business by now. And you can throw off your whole plan because you did not have margin in your schedule. What is the definition of margin? It is the space in between. In the context of finances, it's the space in between your income and your expenses. Said differently, okay, is spending less money than you make. That's called margin. If you spend everything you make, you ain't got no margin. Why is margin important? important? Number one, margin creates less stress to react to. Less stress. In the same way unexpected things happen can, in your, can happen in your schedule, unexpected things can happen in your life. People get sick, cars break down. This whole AI thing is freaking me out, y'all. They're going to take over all our jobs. You're going to show up to church one day, it's not going to be JJV preaching. It's going to be chat GPT. I'm telling you, one day... Not even gonna need me a lot cheaper. But if that were to happen, if you were to lose your job, if an accident, margin gives you space to go, that sucks, but I'm good because I'm free and I've got margin. Imagine that, guys. It's like the AC goes out in your house and you don't freak out. You're driving your car and your tire blows and you don't wish you died because there's no way you're gonna be able to pay for the replacement of that tire. How about this one? Your kid gets stitches and your first thought is, are you okay? Not, can I afford this? Now, if you're not amen in that, you ain't got kids. I remember when finances were tough and justice hurt himself, I was like, oh man. God, why'd you got to, I can't pay for that right now. Let's get the tape. And she's putting that on. You're good, puppy. It's her right. Blood, it makes you stronger. You got this. Imagine living a life where you weren't stressed financially because you had margin. Margin doesn't just create less stress to react to. Margin creates more space to respond to, to respond to. Uh, if you know a little bit of your history, the Gutenberg Press was the first tool that was used to print books. And the first book ever printed in the West on the Gutenberg Press is, that's right, you guessed it, the Bible, first book ever printed in the West. And this book, when it was printed, looks a little like the one that was printed then. Different language, for sure. But if you notice, around the edges of this book, there's a little white space. Do you see it? What is that white space called? Margin, that's right. I was always curious to me why they printed the first Bibles with so much margin. If you look at them, they've got margin. The reason why that's curious is because paper was very expensive back then. So if you just think from an efficiency standpoint, wouldn't it make sense to save money to just put the letters all the way to the edge? That way you can use less paper, save more money. But no, they put margin. So I had to Google, had to look it up. I had to research. Why do books have margin? You can save paper, all that stuff. And the explanation blew my brain. I hope it'll blow yours too. 
if the words went all the way to the edges, this is crazy, then when you held it, you wouldn't be able to read it. I swear to make this up. The margin is there so that your fingers can hold open the book and receive from it at the same time. And when I heard that, the Holy Spirit quickened me and said, so many people cannot hear me because they have no margin in their life. You are preaching your little Puerto Rican heart out and they can't hear a word you say because they're thinking about their overdue bills. And I've got prophecy for them. I've got destiny for them. I've got direction for them. I've got revelation for them. I've got guidance for them, but they can't hear me because there's no margin. Also helps you not just respond to God, helps you respond to people. Like the needs of people. Leviticus 23, 22 says this, when you harvest your land's produce, you must not harvest, put the verse on the screen, Leviticus 23, 22, you must not harvest all the way to the edge. It said, leave margin. Why? Look, and don't gather every remaining bit of your harvest. Next verse. Leave those items for the poor and the immigrant. I am the Lord, your God. Did you catch that? God said, when you get a whole bunch of gardens and trees, I want you to harvest it. But the stuff on the very edge, the margin of your garden, leave that for those who don't have gardens of themselves. So that if they need, they can be blessed out of the abundance of what I've given you. That's so good. Listen, that's how we operate here as a church. Like financially, like our structure if you were to research any organization, you would understand that most organizations, when they budget next year's income, they actually budget an increase based on what they think is going to come in. So if an organization made 100000 they go, well, next year, let's budget with 150000 because the money's going to grow. We want to budget with that growth. Most organizations do that. Are you ready? Most churches do that. What we do here at Journey Church is very different. We're not taking shots at anybody, but this is how we do it. We go, if whatever came in, if 100,000 of, of your generosity came in this year, we're not going to budget with 100,000. We're going to budget with 90,000. Yeah. We actually budget with 90% less of what comes in. You know why? So that we can have margin so that we can be generous. Yeah. So that when a wildfire in Canada breaks out, we don't have to pray about whether or not we can help them. We got enough margin to be able to send money to Convoy of Hope, to be able to help those families that are in danger and that are struggling. That's margin. I had a friend reach out to me the other day, say, hey, my niece is going to go on a mission trip to Japan. Do you think you can help her get there? It felt so good to be able to give that family $100 and not have to pray about it or not have to talk to Pastor Liz about it because we have a budget in our home for blessing other people. Somebody's like, where? Can I talk to you in the lobby? No. I hear from the Lord. From you. All right, there's a chain of command there, yeah. That's, a, that's margin, and you want to be able to live that way so you can bless others. Imagine being so blessed, y'all, that you don't have to think twice about helping somebody. You see a single mom getting on the bus with five kids, dropping them off at daycare, then going to work, coming back, picking them up from daycare, then coming home. You go, you know what? I don't use this car no more because I got two. Here's that. You can have my margin. Come on, like, that's the kind of life God wants you to live. So how do we have margin? Proverbs 21, 20. The wise man, here's how we get margin, saves for the future. The Bible tells us this very clearly. But the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Everything. Again, you got to spend less than what you make. So here's the first point. Spend wisely. If you want margin in your finances, so you could be less stressed and have more space. Spend wisely. According to the American Psychological Association, 65% of adults say that money is a significant source of stress for them. But according to the U.S. Census, only 12% of Americans live in poverty. So we got 65% of Americans stressed out about money, but we only got 12% of Americans who actually are poor by definition. You might think you're poor, but you have a roof over your head. So this is like definition of poor. So let me, I did the math for you. Here's what that means. 65 stressed, only 12 have a reason to be really stressed because they're poor. Ready? Here's, the, here's, here's what this means. 80% of people who are stressed about money don't have an income problem. They have a spending problem. 
Oh, we're going to set some people free today. I'm telling you, when I think of bondages on people, I don't just don't think of demons and devils. I don't think of sexual things or drug things. I think one of the biggest bondages on our lives today, are you ready, is our spending. The way we are just enchained to MasterCard and Visa and, and, and just, it's, and I believe that there's going to be a spirit of deliverance released here today that is going to set people free from that spending addiction, that spending habit. God is going to deliver. If you believe it, say amen. 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 And, here's, and so here's what I'm going to do. I can't tell you how to spend less. That's Dave Ramsey's job. He's going to do that in the budget when you scan that. And, and I don't have enough time, but here's what I can do in the, in the few minutes that I have left. I can't tell you how to spend less, but here's all I want to do today. I really want to talk to you about why we spend more. Did you catch that? I can't talk to you about how we can spend less. That's a whole financial seminar, and we got that for you. What I want to talk about today is why we spend so much. Because here's what the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will, where your heart will be. Which means that where your heart is, your treasure will follow. Which means that if you want to get your money right, you get your heart right. That's right. And if you get your heart right, your money will follow your heart to the right place. So we got to get your heart right when it comes to money and spending it. So I think if we dive deep into the motivation, there are three motivations for spending that we won't break today. The first one is we spend out of habit. Just, it's automatic. Do you know what a habit is? A habit is something you do without thinking. Biting your nails, you don't even think about it. Tapping your foot, you don't even think about it, right? Spending, sometimes, we don't even think about it. We get in the car, and we automatically go to Starbucks. It's just a habit. We just do it without thinking. Because when we get that coffee, we think, $6 is not a lot of money. I can afford $6. It's not a lot, but over the span of a year, the average American spends $2,000 a year in coffee. How about the subscription, 99 cents a month? I can afford 99 cents a month. $1.99 a month, I can afford $1.99 a month. $14.99 a month, I can afford $14.99 a month. It's cheaper than cable, now when you got eight of them, the average American underestimated how much they spend in subscriptions. If you're the average person, so the majority of people here, are you ready? This is going to blow your mind. They, they were like, you're a liar. Then they went to their bank account and they were like, oh, snap. The average American spends $219 a month on subscriptions. That's on the phone, on their TV, and on any of the devices. $219. I wrote in my notes, I said, that free trial ain't so free anymore, is it? In fact, I got a whole other sermon I can't wait to preach. Because as I was doing this, the Lord spoke to me. He said, just like that, Pastor Jeji, he said, most trials start off as free trials. Yeah, you never pay for the first hit. You never pay for the first bottle. You never pay after the first relationship, after the first one night stand. But every trial starts as a free trial until they get you. Yeah, the cost to play is not the same as the cost to stay. They hook you in. But that's the next sermon. That's the next sermon. So I'm help. Gym memberships, are you ready? Unused gym memberships, not used ones. $319 a year unused. Some of you, I don't even know if the code still works. But you rock that keychain. I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I do these things too. I'm just asking you to be honest about it. And that we do, we don't even think about it no more. And we need to start thinking differently. Jesus put it this way, Luke 14, 28. Jesus said, which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the what? Cost. cost. Not if he can afford it. The cost, because cost and afford are different, whether he has enough to complete it. Jesus said, count the cost. There's a difference between cost and afford. And, and if you want to break the habit of spending without thinking, here you, here's your go. Here's, here's your solution. Replace the habit of asking, can I afford it? With the habit of asking, what will this cost me? Wow. Put it on the screen so they can write it down and put it in their notes. Replace the habit of asking, can I afford it? With the habit of asking, what will this cost? Because afford is 99 cents I can afford. When Jesus was talking about cost, he was talking about following him. But what he was saying was, don't just say yes to me in the moment because I'm a good preacher. Think about the cost of following me tomorrow. Yeah. Because you can commit to something today that you can't afford tomorrow. Are you catching it? Yeah. 
I'm going to make it more practical. I'm going to make it more practical. Ready? This is, this, is, this is a big example of how we spend our finances. All right? I got a little envelope here. I got $1,000 right here. One, hundred, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right? $1,000. Don't try and jump me at the service. We got security all over here. All right? They got day in the shadows wearing black. They're hot. Come on you real quick. Don't play. The reason I did the thousand, okay, and I did it in 10 100s, because I wanted us to think percentages. So if I got 10 $100 bills, then $100 is how much percent of a thousand? 10%. 10%. So, and every bill is a 10%. So three bills would be 30%. All right, important that you grab that. Now that the math class is done, we can go back to teaching the Bible and finances. If I make a thousand dollars, in whatever money you make, put that in. The first 10%, because I believe in tithing, the first 10% goes to God through the local church. That's what the Bible talks about. I preach about it every two years. I go in deep into it. But it's just, and by the way, the reason why we give him 10% is because he asked for it. But you got to understand this. All of it came from him. Every single bill here was a gift from God. Well, you know, I, my, my business acumen built that business. Who gave you that acumen? Who gave you that ability? So it all belongs to him. All God asks for is one of 10, 10%, just so you know where it came from. Tithing is like your reminder that like, it's all yours, Lord. Thank you. You get to keep 90. He asks for 10. Now you got 90 left. What are you going to do with it? And that's a lot. What are you going to do with the 90%? Well, the average uh, uh, housing expense in America is 30% of your income. So 10%, 20%. 30%. Cool. Now we're on to food. The average family spends 10% of their income on food. If you got teenagers living with you, bah, bah. <laughs> that's right. 10%. Gas, the average family only spends 3% on gas. But let's just, to make it a round number, let's also add in there, like maybe you got a car payment or you lease or something like that. Then in that case, it's going to be a lot more. It's going to be 10%. Now, this is everything you got to pay or you can't live. And you still got 40% of your money. Whenever I sit down with somebody and do budget, the first thing that they tell me after the budget is done, they'd be like, where'd all that money come from? <laughs> it was real tight last month. Where all did it come from? I said, no, the question is, where's all that money going? Wow. You always had it, but you spent it without thinking. It's a habit. It was small. So now you can afford a lot of things, but what are you going to do? If, you're, if you follow the financial piece and you got school debt or you got car debt or you got any kind of co consumer debt, Dave Ramsey will say, put all your money towards debt. But there's some other things you can put this extra money to. You can put it toward your kid's college. Have you even thought about your kid's college? Do you even want them to go to school? Some of y'all got kids, they're like, listen, you better be smart. You better be able to sing or dance. Can you, can you throw a ball? Because I ain't, I ain't got the money. Emergency fund, emergency fund is important. You got to put something in there or else if something unexpected happens, you're going to take money that should be going to food and you're paying it for the fix the emergency. All right. You got to, you don't want to be renting your whole life. So you need to put money for a down payment so you can buy your house. You got to put, you're not going to be working all your life. You also got to have fun. And then, and then look over here too. You also want to be able to be generous. Now the generosity bucket is not the God bucket. That's so important for you to know that belongs to God. Everything that's in generosity is everything above and beyond that. This is me trying to help people, trying to plant more campuses, legacy offering, all of that. Now, I'm not trying to, and I know that I did, and I apologize, stress you out. <laughs> Look at all these boxes. You're like, I didn't know. And now I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm not trying to get you to look at all of these. I'm trying to get you to look at just this. Just this. Just this. Do, do you know what this is? Me neither. Because this is all the random stuff you spend money on. For some people, you know what this is? Amazon. You be buying stuff you don't need or want. You buy so much stuff that when it shows up to your house, you're like, Did I order that? Who ordered that? What did I order? It's a thing. It's a disease. They call it Amazonnesia. That's what they call it. 
where you order so much, you forget what you ordered. This is your jet ski payment, and you don't even live near a lake. But you got a jet ski, chilling in your garage. Why? Because it was $79 a month. The guy sold you on it. $79 a month, which is something you can afford. But at what cost? Are you, are you seeing how it works? Because if I put it in here, cool, I can afford it. That's the affording. But what's the cost? You can't think about things, spending money just because you have it. You got to think about what the opportunity is that you are forfeiting because you gave into this. Don't spend for now. Have a plan for your life, a plan to retire, a plan to buy a house, a plan to send your kids somewhere, a plan to get out of debt so you can stop paying all 20% interest rates on your credit cards. But you can't do that if you're always asking, can I afford it? Yeah, you can afford it, but you don't want to pay that cost. You know something else that we spend a lot of money on that we don't need to spend money on? Brand name stuff. Coming for somebody. Now listen, I'm going to be very careful because I'm, 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 I'm wearing J's right now. But to be clear, they was a gift. They'll be putting me on no preachers and sneakers. Uh-uh. Somebody met me in the lobby, said, Pastor, I said, thank you. I appreciate it. I love you. Thank you so much. That was a gift. I'll take gifts. And I'm a nine and a half. And so, <laughs> just because anybody else feels led. Uh... I just, but, but Rolexes. I know a guy that bought a Rolex. Are you ready for this? $1,000 a month. You ready? For six years. That's a true story. I looked it up just to be sure. It tells time. Your phone tells time. If you real broke, the sun tells time. (laughs) Daytime, nighttime, that's all I need to know. But he's not buying a time teller. He's buying a value giver. He's buying a worth bringer. He didn't buy it to tell time. He bought it so that you could look at it and go, that's a Rolex. The other reason we spend for accomplishment or validation. So that other people can see the nice things we got. Be careful. Be care- and, the, and the people we're trying to impress is crazy. We're trying to impress our dad, who's not even alive anymore, but told us we would never become something. And so we bought it just to spite him. I don't know if you're looking down on me, dad, but that's a Benz. My kiss is on food stamps, but I got a Benz. And by the way, also, I'm not anti-nice things. Like, I'm not anti-Gucci, I'm not anti-Louis Vuitton, I'm not anti-Balenciaga. You just can't have Ruth Chris taste if you got a Burger King budget. You You can have nice things. You want the name brand stuff? Cool. Can you afford it? And does it come at the cost of anything in life that really matters? If the answer is yes and no, then go, go ahead. But if it comes at the cost of one of these, why are we doing this? That's why I love my wife. She's so good when it comes to buying things on value. People give a lot of comments on my outfits. I tell you this all the time from the pulpit. I say it with humility. My wife picks out all of my outfits. She also shops for them. And she ever, if you ever see me wear something that looks nice, it was either given to me or she bought it at a thrift store or TJ Maxx. Come on, brand names at bargain prices. Let's go. <laughs> everything or Marshalls or something like that all the time. She's so like thrifty and frugal when it comes to expenses. I saw this one time we got married. It was the first time we went through a drive-thru when we got married. It was McDonald's. I'll never forget it. You'd be like, how could you remember? Because it was traumatizing. (laughs) We pulled up. I was like, I'll get this. And then she was like, I'll get, um, before she, I said, what do you want? She said, She said, ask them if they have any specials. I said, girl, we have McDonald's. <laughs> you can buy a double cheeseburger for a dollar. That's pretty thing special right there. Is that not special already? She said, no, ask them if they got specials. I was like, oh, Lord. She said, well, would you like anything else? I said, yeah. I'm thinking, this is so embarrassing. This lady going to give me free food. 
when I show up at the counter, it's going to be like, Dito, he asked for specials. Pobrecito. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, um, do you have, uh, do you have specials, ma'am? She said, what? I said, I know, I know. Do you have specials? She said, yeah. She listed off five of them. Did you know McDonald's has specials? I said, wow. She said, that's the one I want. They're special. I was like, okay. We drove in. We, sold, we saved $2.36. Now, that might not seem like a lot to you, but if you were here for last week's sermon, you know that when you steward the little, that when you steward $2.36, God says, that I can trust them with $2,360 if they can prove to me. Now, listen, we are a single-income home. My wife is a stay-at-home mom, her choice. She could be balling if she wanted to. She has a business degree. She could make money. She decided she wanted to stay home. That was her choice. So, so I was a single-income home. Now, I make the money, but very clear, it's our money. If she was here, I would look at her right now and be like, I, I said it. It's our money. Let me help out married couples right now. If you are married, you don't have two bank accounts. You have one. Well, that's a finance issue. Nope. If you got two bank accounts for two people who are married, that's not a finance issue. That's a trust issue. We don't got a money problem. We got a trust problem. We got to figure that out before we start working on the money thing. I got no problem her having access to all of that money. It's mine. I made it. You know why I have no problem? Because I saw what she did at that McDonald's drive-thru. And I said, if she does that with $2.36, imagine what she'll do with $2,000, I, I trust her completely with it because she's shown me what she can do. Here's my point. Don't try to impress people with your money. Impress God with your management. Show God what you could do with $5. Show God how that whole outfit came together for $2.96. And God's like, if you can do that with $2.96, I can trust you with $29,600 because you proved to me you can manage. Here's the other reason why we spend. Here's the last reason why I think we spend. We spend to fill a void. We spend to fill a void. A famous, successful, wealthy celebrity once said this. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything that they ever dreamed of so they can see that that's not the answer. That's God. The hole you're trying to fill with money and possessions will only be made bigger by that pursuit. Isaiah 55, verse 2 to 3 says, why spend? You see the focus of the scripture? It's not how to spend less. Why spend? Why are we? What's the motivation? What's the heart at? Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I wrote it like this. And you can put it in your notes. When I lack satisfaction in God, I start to pursue satisfaction and stuff. Amen. And let me just help save you time and money. My brother, my sister, listen to me. Spending money to feel good is like chewing gum to feel full. You're going to be chewing for a while. And three things are going to happen at the end of your little gum chewing experience. One, you're going to feel empty. Because you're chewing, but it doesn't fill. Two, you're going to be hungrier. The gum gets the saliva going, gets the digestive, but nothing's moving. And three, like every purchase we've ever made that's been big, that we've regretted, like gum, it will lose its flavor over time. That was a nice phone until they came out with two versions in the next three months right after it. And then you're like, dang, this one doesn't even unlock with the face. <laughs> I just bought it. Yeah, just like that new car. Mm, it smells good. It smells good in here. Three months later, it smells like feet. It's what happens. <laughs> Listen to me. Everything rusts. Everything collapses. Everything breaks down. Everything can be stolen. Anything can be eaten by moths. The Bible says don't store your treasure there where thieves and moths can get to it, but put your treasure in God, in eternity where thieves cannot reach it and moss cannot touch it. I promise you, making money to live, but don't make money to be happy. Because it won't. 
make you happy. It'll be empty. So how do you do it? Get on a strict budget. I already told you that. Get on a strict budget, but it's got to be strict, okay? And when you do that, this is good because it makes decisions for you so you don't have to. People ask you to go out to eat, you'll be like, I can't. I'm on a budget. They'll be like, whose budget? Your cousin? Be like, no, it's a thing. <laughs> and it says I can't go out. Here's the last one. The band can come up. And I, I, I meant to spend that much time on spending because I really think that's the issue. But I will, I will hit this last one because it's in the Bible and I got to preach the whole Bible. Don't just spend wisely. Here's the next thing you got to do. Save diligently. Save diligently. Here's what I want you to do. When you have that 40% left, before even being generous, here's what I want you to do when you got that 40% left. Save or invest 10% of your income. So look, you're going to pay God first. Then you're going to pay the landlord, then you go pay Walmart, then you're going to pay uh, wherever you get gas from, BP, Wawa. And then after you pay everyone else, listen, here's the next thing you do, you're going to pay yourself. Okay? And, and that can go into any one of these. That can go towards debt, that can go towards the emergency fund, that can go towards a down payment, towards the retirement, that can go kids' college, you're going to pay yourself first, and then you got 30% to do what you want with. That's how it's going to work. Why? Proverbs 21, 20. The wise man saves for the future. But the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Hear me. You can't predict the future. So plan for it. And I'm not just talking about the crazy bad stuff. You can't predict the future. Like, like even the good stuff. Like here's my next point. Save for future opportunities. When Pastor Liz and I were making a, a, a lot of money, this is the next point. Save for future opportunities. When Pastor Liz and I were making a lot of money, we were looking at buying a house over in Celebration, Florida. I told you a little bit of the story last week. And it was nice, man. It was like the, we, the, we had the tiles picked out. We had the wood floors picked out. And we were just about to put that non-refundable deposit down on the construction of the property. And right before we did it, I just, we just felt God speak to us. Not like an audible voice, but how many people have had God speak to them? Like it's like a, an intuition. Like I don't know. And we started to feel this intuition like I'm about to ask you to do something really big and you're going to need a lot of money to do it. So don't put yourself in a financial position that's going to keep you from doing it. I told my wife that she said, I felt the same way. We know what it was though. We legitimately thought we were going to be missionaries to Africa. We loved mission work. We had just spent a summer in Costa Rica. We loved the, the continent of Africa. We just felt like God was going to send us there. And then like six months after we got that nudge from the Lord to start saving, that was when God confirmed to me and to her that we were to plant a church in Winter Park. And because we had margin, money saved, you know what we did? We sold our home. We cashed out our retirement account. We took all the money and plus the savings because we wanted to be full-time church planners. It was hard to plant a church and work at Starbucks at the same time. We wanted to do that full-time. And I went and we went together as a home without any form of income for a year because we had margin. This is why I'm so passionate about this topic. Literally, this church wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. This church wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the amazing dream team that we have. This church would not be here if it wasn't for margin. What for margin? You never know what future education opportunities are going to come your way, what future business opportunities, what future ministry opportunities, what future family opportunities are going to come your way. You got to prepare for that. And also look, save for future generations. Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I don't know if my parents are leaving me anything. I haven't asked. That's cool. I'm good with it. They left me Jesus and that's enough. Thank you for passing down Jesus. That's good. I don't know. I don't need it. I'm good. Honestly, we got dealt two different hands. She was born into a poor family and turned the poor family into a middle-class family. Way to go, mom. I was born into a middle-class family. I have a responsibility. I want to pass down Jesus to my kids, but that's not the only guy I want to pass down. I want to pass down Jesus Christ, and I want to pass down Benjamin Franklin. 
Is that right? Is that carnal? It looked biblical to me. It said a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I want to bless not just my kids, but my kids' kids. I want my grandkids to eat from the margin, from the fruit of the blessing that God has bestowed on my life so that the gospel can be preached three generations. What are you talking about, JJ? So that when Zane pulls out an envelope for his son's college, JJ Jr., college, and they give it to JJ Jr., and JJ Jr. says, where'd you get this money, Dad? And you go, this money came from my father, your grandfather, who put it aside because God blessed him so much that he could actually bless me and bless you. You have what you have because Jesus gave it to us. Are you seeing it? It's, it's generational blessing. It's generational testimonies. It's generational evidence. It's generational evangelism so that people will know God has blessed me. Some people can't even think beyond tomorrow's bill. Not forever. You will be. I'm going to declare it right now. If you receive it, lean in. I, you are going to live such a life of financial blessing that your children's children. I felt that. Your children's children will live in the blessing of what God gives on your life. And not because you ever became rich, but because you became free. Free. All right, I'm going to close here. I always get asked this question a lot. Pastor JJ, how much money is too much money? If I, if I got a million dollars, that's too much? Because I don't know. I don't want to be, boom. Is, that, is, it, is $10 million? Is $10 million? Like, eh, that's the wrong question. But I'll answer it. How much money is too much money? Proverbs 38 through 9. And don't make me either rich or poor. Just give me enough food for each day. Here we go. Because if I have too much, I might think I did all this without you. I might not need you if I had too much. Are you ready? How much is too much money? However much replaces trust in God. Some of y'all accounts are stuck at the same number because God knows that if he gave you a little bit more, you will put your trust in it and not God. You don't got to trust a savings account that got $10 in it. You only can trust in God. But when your savings account hits 20 grand, 30 grand, 40 grand, 50 grand, here's my question. Will you allow your savings to become your savior? My savings is not my savior. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't ever let all the money you save and all the money you earn, that be the thing that you trust in. And I'm telling you guys, like, if I, if I know you won't use it to replace me, I'll give you more of it. I asked Pastor Liz, just, I'll, I'll, I'll really, I really am ending. I promise I'm ending. I asked Pastor Liz, I asked Pastor Liz the other day, I said, I said, babe, if God asks us to do it all over again, would you do it? She's like, what, you mean start the church? I was like, no, you know how we're trying to buy the building. What if we go into a, you know, a campaign, try and raise the money, and we, the church don't have it. Like the people we try, we, but we just don't have enough money to buy the building. I said, would you sell the house again? Thank God our savings has come back up. Our retirement has come back up. God's blessed us. Would you give it all up again to buy the property, to help buy the property for the church? Would you do it one more time? She looked at me. You know what she said? She said, I'll follow you. <laughs> which, which, is, which was not a yes. <laughs> it was like, you hear from God. If God says it, I'll do it. Because what her and I have learned when we lost it all was as easily as it was taken. Wow. Right. It was given. Yeah. I don't mind. I would. I'd, I'd leave it all if God asked. Because it's not my God. And I'll put my trust in it. It's just money. He's the one who provides it. I would. Luke 12, 16, 17, then we pray. And he told them this parable, Jesus, the ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all my money. Verse 18, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. I'm going to have a savings account. We're going to put it all away. It's going to be good. And once I have all that money, Luke 12, 19, then I'll say to myself, you got plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. Isn't that the world today? Don't worry about it. You got it. You good. YOLO. Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. I don't ever want God to call me a fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then what you're going to do with all that money in your account? 
Verse 21, and this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Or we can add in there and towards others. Keep in mind, the person did not get condemned for being rich. There's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. I prayed that over all of your lives. I hope that, yeah, that, that happens for you. His guilt is not found in him having money. His guilt in using all that money for himself and not putting it towards advancing the kingdom of God and helping others and not his children's children. And so I'm going to pray for you. I've got these last two QR codes. One more time for you. I want to help you learn to manage your money. If you can't scan it and it doesn't work on your phone, we got, we got codes outside. And then if you're ready to be rich towards God, put the Lord first in your finances so that he can bless the rest, recognizing this belongs to him. We have the tithing challenge over here. We got a whole devotional series I wrote. I can give it to you. Once you sign up for it, you get it. Head bowed, eye closed. If you missed the scan, you can get it outside. If you are bad at spending money on three, I want you to raise your hand. And I promise you, every service has been almost every hand. So don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. This isn't about looking good. Remember, we're not trying to impress people. We want to impress God. I want to pray for you, and I'm going to pray deliverance and breakthrough. So this is not the time to be fake or front. This is the time to be real. If you're in this room on the count of three, and you know you are just bad with money, you are bad with spending it, it comes through your hands like sand through your fingers and you want freedom today. On the count of three, I want you to shoot your right hand out of the sky. I'm ready. I'm bad with money. I'm ready. One, two, three. All over this room. Yep. Don't look around because I told you to keep your eyes closed. But if you did open your eyes, you would see almost every hand in this room raised right now. I'm bad with money. I get it and it goes through my fingers. Keep your hands raised. I'm going to pray a special prayer over you right now. Father, you see every man. You see every woman. You see every child. You see every teenager in this room. You see everyone here and I thank you for the transparency and I thank you for the honesty and I pray right now, not just for financial breakthrough, but I pray for personal breakthrough. I pray for deliverance. It's not the money. It's something deeper. There's a, there's a cause there. There's a root there. Maybe we're searching for worth in the wrong things, searching for value in the wrong things, trying to impress people that don't even think about us trying to fill voids in our life we got a bad habit of spending for the moment but not thinking about the future what I declare right now in the name of Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit is deliverance right now Lord I pray freedom just just shedding all over the room right now just spreading all over the room right now freedom for those who are poor with money deliverance Lord God and I pray that through that breakthrough that they be able to bless others it's not just going to be them doing well they're going to be doing so well they're going to be able to bless their nieces and their nephews and their grandkids and their their, their spouses and their parents and they're going to be able to bless neighbors Lord uh, right there if you got your hand raised I want you to tell the Lord that Lord bless me so I can bless others bless me so I can bless others in Jesus' name, deliverance and breakthrough financially today. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.